I was thinking what should I pray or preach. Should I preach this morning something about Christmassy or New Year stuff and so on? Or should I stick to what I've decided to go? Guess what? Guess what? What? Guess what? Yeah, what I'm preaching. Do I still stick to my theme? And you know the theme over a number of Sundays? The life and ministry of Jesus Christ part 90 is today. Praise the Lord. And I, would, I never thought that I would be able to have 90 sermons on one person. And it's on Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. I can't get enough of Jesus and our sermon of our dear brother from last Sunday. What was it again? Christ. He said, my first point is Christ. The second point is Christ. And the third point, I hope, was Christ too. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that's what we, what we hear this morning. Because Christ is the center. And we want to magnify the name of Jesus. And uh, as I kept going, so I came uh, to a theme that's totally contrary to the uh, season we are in at the moment. It brings us into a season of Easter. But I've got no problem. You know what Peter did on a day of Pentecost? What did he preach on? Christ, yes. Did he preach on Pentecost? He preached about the resurrection power that Jesus rose again. Amen? So we are not necessarily bound to a certain time or a certain period of time. Jesus is our theme. And this morning I want to preach about it. And we get it in the Bible. Luke chapter 19, verses 28 to 44. This morning, rather a little lengthy scripture. Luke 19, 28, 44. And my wife told me, you must watch when you mention a scripture. And they have to wait for the people that they also can open the Bible. And you mention the scripture and read straight away because I've got it here in the Bible. And I understand some have to flick around to find it. It's fair enough. And I want to take her advice. So, I'm preaching this morning on Luke 18, verse 28 to... Luke 19, 28 to 44. After he had said these things, he was going on ahead, going up to Jerusalem, when he approached Beth Bethphage and... Bethany, near the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you. There is an, there as you enter, you will find a cold tide on which no one sat ever before. And tie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, what? What are you doing? Why are you untying it? You shall say, The Lord has need of it. So those who were went away and found it just as he had told them. And they were untying the colt. Its owners said to them, Why are you untying the colt? He said, the Lord has need of it. They brought it to Jesus and he threw their coats on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he was going, they were spreading their clothes, their coats on the road. As soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen, shouting, 
Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. When he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known in this day even you in the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you from all every or from every side. And they will level you to the ground and your children with you. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another. Because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Do we recognize the time of God's visitation? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this morning. O oh Lord, I pray that you will take us this morning onto this road, onto this place, Lord Jesus, that we might see and experience with you, Lord, what you said, and that we know, Lord Jesus, your wonderful words. I pray, Lord Jesus, this morning that you will give grace to speak your word. You will give grace to listen to your word and also grace to act upon your word. I pray, Lord Jesus, for those who have heard the word of God for many, many times and perhaps never ever realized the time of your visitation. And I pray this morning that you might come in such a mighty way through the Holy Spirit. O oh Lord Jesus, that nobody in this room this morning might neglect, O oh Lord, or overlook, or overlook the time of your visitation. You are here this morning. Blessed, blessed be your wonderful name, the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen and amen, hallelujah. According to the three synoptics, Jesus was leading the group from Jericho like a pilgrim group uh, over to Jerusalem. This was certainly the last trip Jesus went with his disciples and they had a goal. They went to Jerusalem. And according to 12, in uh, chapter 12 in John verse 1, Jesus actually stayed overnight in Bethany. You know, in Bethany there was a special place for Jesus. Who knows what, what was going on there? Bethany. There were two friends or three friends of Jesus. There was Lazarus, Mary and Martha. And he stayed overnight there before he went down to Jerusalem. Now while the pilgrim group went on to Jerusalem, Jesus was here in Bethany. Something had to happen and everything that happened before Jesus went into Jerusalem was in God's plan. Mary, she anointed Jesus' feet with a costly nard, a costly perfume. And she did it for what? And Jesus says, she did it for the day of my burial. Some on all these things were just a week before Jesus went to the cross. A preparation for moving into Jerusalem. Now, and we see something. First of all, Jesus, when he came close to Bethphage, so he sent two of his disciples that look and go into that village. There you will find a cold tide so down to something and untie it and bring it to me. Now, Jesus was painstakingly observing the law. Don't think Jesus didn't know the law. 
No, no, because he had many enemies. And if he would have done a little mistake, I tell you what, he would have come like vultures about Jesus. Jesus, you didn't do this right. Moses says this. And painstakingly, Jesus observed the law. Do you know that? Because nobody was able to fault Jesus. And he put himself once to the open and said, Well, is there anybody who could show me something I did wrong? Nobody was there. Nobody came. Oh, I saw you doing this and I heard you say this. No, Jesus was so correct in every way. Hallelujah. Now the Greek term of untie. Lusantis is not just meaning uh, taking the rope off a little pole where this donkey or the colt was tied to, but there's something more, and we have to understand, because Jesus knew the law. According to the law, and get your Bible, and that is Exodus 13 and 13. Now I have to do what my wife said, wait till everybody is there. Exodus 13, 13, I've worked everything out. I've got written here in my Bible, and I could go ahead, but my wife, I love it, she said, listen to the people, and the people have time enough. So, are you there, yes? Exodus 13, 13. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. But if you do not redeem it, then you shall break its neck, and every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Here's something. What Jesus had to do, he had to redeem all these disciples. It was not just untying them from the rope from the pole. No, there was something, and there was also called redeeming. And this um, Greek word, lusantes, means actually also to redeem, to make something free, to set something free. Because why? You remember when Jesus, or when Israel was in Egypt, and then God slayed all the firstborn. And the Bible says very clearly that all the firstborn belong to God. Now, if somebody has a firstborn son, did you know? Belongs to the Lord. You can't do with him what you want. And that's why it's important. All your mothers and fathers, your firstborn is so important to God. Don't tell him, oh, I want to give him a good career in this world and you take him to all the worldly stuff to cinemas and all the garbage to footies and introduce him to all that stuff and you think, well, he is going to have a nice career. No! God has his hand on the firstborn. He belongs to God. And that's my father, mother. It's so important for you that your firstborn and all your children, you lead them to Jesus Christ. And they, if, if they haven't come as yet, you keep praying, praying, till they are with Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the law. That's the law. The firstborn belongs to the Lord. And it needed to be bought back from God. And it was with a lamb. That had to be done. And it's very important to understand it. Now this entry into Jerusalem is one of the, listen, 330 details prophesied about Jesus. Jesus is going to do when He is on earth. Hallelujah. And that's why, hallelujah, I can do some calculation. You remember a few weeks ago, our dear brother John helped me and put it on the overhead on the computer. Do you remember that? Do you remember that number, brother boss? One, two. You know? A number with ten. Or ten. No. A hundred ditches. A number with hundred ditches. That means it was 
totally impossible that the things Jesus did according to the Old Testament of all the promises that showed that He is the Messiah. Hallelujah! It was everything, anything was, that was perhaps a coincidence. Could say, oh, that's a coincidence. It was excluded. God doesn't work on coincidences. He works on a plan. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, this is one of the things, very clearly, and we can read in Zechariah 9, 9. Zechariah 9, 9. I have to do what my wife said. Wait till you are so far. Zechariah 9, 9. Yes, all there? Don't be slow, because I want to preach this morning. Go ahead. Zechariah 9, 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. That was written hundreds of years before and exactly these things happened when Jesus came to Jerusalem. Amen? Hallelujah. What do you say to that? Amen. Hallelujah. The Bible is clear and the Bible has always right. There's no so-called religious book no, the Bible is not a religious book, but any, there's no religious book in the whole wide world that is so precise as the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Can I hear an amen? amen? Hallelujah. And it's time for you as well that you learn these things, that you are able to tell those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible is true. The Bible is true. And I can prove it. I had once a young man in Ringwood when we were... In the olden days with our dear brother James, he said, where is he? Oh, Singapore. So, uh, we were there handing out tracks, a young man, and said, I can't believe in God. Now listen, I want to tell you something. I can prove you right here on the spot that the Bible is right. Will you believe then? Guess the answer was what? Probably not. You know what? He just put it in front of him and said, well, I can't believe the Bible. That's parroting. That's all people say, I can't believe the Bible. It's garbage. You never have read the Bible. Of course you can't be, believe the Bible if you're not read it. And we must be able to tell everyone. We must be able to tell everyone. Perhaps I must get my dear friend John Shipman once again or download it from his from his uh, website or, or what do you call all these things you know my wife does it too uh, Facebook and, and and so on you know load it down and study these things and have it on your little thing instead of fiddling around like this have it here and prove it to them and see uh, that's what it is the chance that it's just a coincidence is impossible. Impossible. God's word is true. It's true from every side, from top, from the bottom, from, from the beginning to the end. It is true. Amen. Hallelujah. People say, well, the Bible contradicts itself. No. I found something. Of course, the Bible contradicts your lifestyle. And that's true. The Bible contradicts our lifestyle, but not itself. Everything is proven. And God, the highest intelligent being in the whole universe, He has got enough brain, if I could use these simple words, to put everything right that we with a little bit of gray masses up in your box, you know, as that we could understand it as well. A far, far greater spirit has done it and proves us God is real. Amen. 
Aren't you glad you believe in Jesus? You don't belong to the dumb people who bow down before a little stone and pray and worship to it and say to the stone, can you help me? No, we have a God who is able to hear, who is able to work. No, something else had to be done. Now, this is all that needed to be prepared for Jesus' time when he was coming and moving in to uh, Jerusalem. We call it in English Palm Sunday. So this morning I'm preaching a Palm Sunday sermon. You understand it? Now the feet of Jesus needed to be anointed. So the Bible speaks about lovely feet. Anybody read about lovely feet in the Bible? You did? Oh, so did I. So did I. There's something about lovely feet in the Bible. Did you know that? It's the Bible so interesting in our lovely feet. And all the ladies that go to the Chinese shopping center have their feet down there, you know, and I look sometimes what they do and they polish around and they color them up, all the different colors, you know. I don't know, it costs a lot of money. I never have been there, so I can't, <laughs> can't tell you. But it costs money, is it right? How much about for one foot? Five dollars? Five dollars a dollar for each toe, perhaps. I don't know. But the Bible speaks of lovely feet. And you know whose feet are the most loveliest? Yes, the feet that went from top to, to, uh, to the plain of the land. From a mountain. Oh, let's read there. I have to wait. Isaiah chapter 52 verse 7. Get it in the Bible. And you see, that's biblical pedicure. Do you call it pedicure? When you fiddle around the feet, it is pedicure, yes? And if you fiddle around the hand, it's manicure. So I have to get uh, in the right terms for this stuff. Now we want to read what the Bible says here. Get in a whole lovely on the mountains are the feet of Him who brings good news, who announces peace, and brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation, and says to Zion, Your God reigns, hallelujah. God is still on the throne. Amen. Amen. Everyone who preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ, every evangelist has lovely feet. And Jesus was the greatest evangelist, and His feet carried the wonderful gospel boat, gospel matches through the whole of Israel. And what was his message? Now we know Jesus didn't say, well, be happy and be glad and so on. No. I tell you what. Salvation without repentance is a hawk. There is no salvation without repentance. Don't listen to these who preach cheap grace. Whatever you do, don't worry. God loves you so much. God can't help him. He loves you so much. Whatever you do, God closes his eyes, but he loves you. You can do what you want. Just come to God again, you know, and so on. Cheap grace. The grace I believe in was so expensive. Jesus paid for that grace on the cross of my dear system. When He died on the cross, what did He call out? It is? Amen. Yes. You are, you are the... It is finished lady in our church. Hallelujah. Yes, I observed that. I observed it. Don't think I, I come to church and I'm sleeping. No. And if anybody is preaching about Calvary and he comes to the point, it is finished, you should look in her face. She is rejoicing. Hallelujah. 
And that's why the grace I believe in Jesus gave me is an expensive grace. And that's why I want to treasure it. I'd rather denounce everything in the world, but never ever tread disgrace with feet or under my feet. I want to carry it on my heart, on my soul. Hallelujah. And Jesus' message, gospel message, was this. Repent and believe in the gospel. Amen? Hallelujah. And Mary, she anointed the feet who carried this message all over through Israel from the top to the bottom. And if you read the New Testament and you know Jesus was on many, many places. Hallelujah. And she, Mary, anointed the feet of Jesus. Now Jesus came into the city. He comes riding on a donkey's colt. He does not come in splendor and pomp. He is riding on a foal, on a load-bearing animal like the common people. Jesus didn't have his own jet. You know, I, I heard a story that was some kind of a, a preacher or babbler. I don't know how it could if somebody is priding himself for a jet, forget him. He is not a man of God. How did Jesus come? On a donkey. The lowest, the lowest animal. He was riding there. And he came in and it shows his humility and lowliness. Jesus was lowly, not lonely, but lowly. And he said, these are the qualities you should learn from me. Get your Bible. Chapter 11, John uh, and Matthew 28 and go down. And he speaks about how he is. I'm humble and lowly in heart. And learn from me. Hallelujah. Do you want to go to a real theological cemetery, a cemetery, seminary. I know, I know. Learn the lowly stage. From Jesus, you learn the lowly stage. Hallelujah! And you know what it is? The lower we are, the easier. We are on our knees, isn't it? Hallelujah. I'm lowly. Learn from me. And there's some remark and this remark on which no man has set shows us that for special sacred purposes such animals were used. They were not to be used for anything else before. God doesn't take the second best. Now, hopefully, no money preacher would have heard it and said, Well, see, Pastor Schultz has said, God doesn't take the second best. He wants you billions and not just five cents. No. I mean these things. Things already abused of worldly things. For the things of God, it has to be clean. Nobody else has sat on it before. But Jesus is going to sit on. Let me put it this way. Jesus, the son of Joseph. Everybody knows this in this church when we speak of Jesus, the son of Joseph. What do we mean? Anybody here? And I said, what do we mean? What do I mean, my dear brother? Yeah, the 
the suffering servant. Joseph refers not to the carpenter. It refers to the one who was sold for 20 pieces of silver. And he was, Jesus was this suffering servant. He came lowly and humble, but I tell you, hallelujah, in number 19, I, I preach here about Luke chapter 19, yeah? And there is a chapter 19 also. Where is that? There's a chapter 19 and Jesus is coming riding as well. Revelation. Hallelujah. Now what sort of uh, animal he's riding now on? Uh, on a horse. A white horse. And the armies of heavens are following him. Hallelujah. He started lowly, but the glory will come in Jesus' ministry. And he is going to come one day. We will see him on the white horse. And the armies of heaven are following him. Hallelujah. Don't worry to start very low in the kingdom of God. Don't worry to start very low for the things of God. Don't say, well, I'm a big pastor, a big preacher. We had uh, young people in Bible college, I remember that. And somebody said, well, either God is going to use me for something great, or I'm going to become nothing. Guess what did he become? What? What did he become? Who said nothing? Yes. That's right. God doesn't start with big people. He starts with small and humble people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so Jesus came humble. But the day is going to come. He is coming back. And the world will see Him sitting on the white horse. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the kingdoms of this world will become His kingdom. An everlasting kingdom. Hallelujah. Now, there was just the introduction of my sermon. No? I tell you what, I love Jesus. And sometimes I wished I could have been amongst all the people there who followed Jesus. Just walking with them and listening what the people saying about Jesus. Sometimes I wished I would have been there, but I wasn't. I have to take the things that are written here faithfully and truthfully written in the Bible. That's why if you want to get to know Jesus, read this book. Read this book. Hallelujah. I sometimes did it as well. I'm still reading the Bible. But you know, it's good sometimes just to read the Bible. Keep on reading. Reading, 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 reading. And I did the Exodus. And it was so wonderful when God led Israel out of Egypt. All the miracles and signs and wonders. Just reading, just reading. I was not... You know, you know the pastors have got something wrong as well in their life. You know, you have to preach every Sunday and you often read the Bible just, what sermon could I preach? What is in here for me to preach? And I thought, I, I know that, I know that. When I was a young pastor, I, I finished on Sunday morning, came home, and then we had a Sunday lunch, and then I straight into the Bible and was studying, what can I preach next Sunday? And I tell you what, it's sometimes not easy being a pastor. Don't, don't push yourself in front and say, ah, I, I want to be a pastor. No, it's not easy, believe me. I've got over 40 years and even more, almost 50 years behind me, behind this pulpit. I know it's not a job to be envied. It's sometimes a task, not easy. But I, 
I was just reading, reading along the Bible. And I got a new Bible from the church. Thank you very much. Unfortunately, I can't preach from the Bible because my notes are too big. It doesn't cover the Bible. And I learned something else. The older I get, Pastor Gary, the longer my notes become. (laughs) You know? Because I have to write so much, otherwise I would forget it. Now, we read there in verse 38, uh, 37 rather. As soon he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began what to do. What did they do? Began to what? What did they do? What did they do? Oh, I say, you, you, you haven't been amongst this crowd. You haven't been amongst the crowd. Pastor Gary, was you, were you amongst the crowd there? Anybody was amongst the crowd there? But what, what would we have learned this morning if you would have been amongst that crowd? What would you have learned of that crowd? Praising the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. With a loud voice. Praise the Lord. Do we have such people in this church? Anybody here who could say, Praise the Lord with a loud voice. Funny a lady first. Where are you guys? Where are you guys? Praise the Lord! Hallelujah! Now what were they talking about? They had, there was something going on. And the Bible says, they were praising the Lord. Let's read again. And the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen. They had seen something wonderful. And only if you experience Jesus, you have something to tell. If you never experience Jesus, you have nothing to say. Is there this morning anybody here who had an experience with Jesus? Let me see your hand. Peter, I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Hallelujah. You have got something to tell. You have got something to say. Hallelujah. I, I need a better brain box up here uh, in order to, to keep all the things in my mind. Uh, there are people amongst us, they have a wonderful testimony. A wonderful testimony. Our dear brother, Sumit, he once told his testimony. And I was fascinated. Was it right? About three days he was sleeping without stopping. He was full of drugs and alcohol. He wanted to finish his life. Was it right? So wanted to finish his life. And then he came to a friend. And there he was sleeping. Three days he just went up to go to the toilet and sleeping. And the Lord set him free in a moment. Hallelujah. Brother, this is worse to be praised. Jesus, to be praised about it. If you would have been amongst the crowd, you would have gone to Peter, said, Peter, I see you are the one who is in charge of all these things. Jesus is still on the mountain. He is going to come down. And now, can I tell something what I experienced? And someone would say, this I experienced. And where was in Sri Lanka, you know? He had money enough. And alcohol and drugs were also very close by. But then he met Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's reasons to praise the Lord. Anybody else? Brother Eddie, you had a good testimony too. Hallelujah. Anybody else who could say, Well, I have a testimony what Jesus did for me. Amen. Hallelujah. 
there was perhaps a man and I'm now amongst the crowd. Understand this? I'm doing, I'm preaching as if I'm amongst the crowd. There was a man, 38 years, he was lame. And I would say, Peter, listen, here is a man. He was 38 lame, and he, 38 years lame. He was at a pool of Bethesda, next here in Jerusalem, next to the sheep gate. And Peter said, come on, come on, tell what did Jesus do to you? And he started. He said, I was waiting for 38 years. I was lame. I wanted to walk around. And when I was a kid, I wanted to jump around as all the other kids. And if you would have been an Aussie guy, he would have loved to play soccer over the footy, you know, like all the others with his funny egg, but I couldn't do, because I couldn't walk, because I couldn't walk, and I was waiting there for 38 years, and I saw with my own eyes, I watched the water, and the water was moving, because an angel of the Lord came over, he stirred the water, and when I was stirred up, I wanted to get in, but that somebody else was there for me. And I saw this person plunged itself into it. And the person came out. It could walk. This person was new, was healed. I believe in divine healing, he would have said. But I didn't have the chance. I always, always, always came too late. But one day Jesus came there to me. I was so sad. But Jesus came and he asked me, do you want to be made well? And I told him this story, I have got nobody. And whenever the water has been stirred up by the angel of the Lord, I come too late. Yes, I want to be healed. And then Jesus said to me, get up. Pick up your pallet and walk. And he would have said, See, I'm still here. And I walked all the time with Jesus together. And I'm still able to walk. I can walk. Praise to Jesus. All this did Jesus in my life. And when he said, Take up your pallet, I felt strength growing in my legs. And I was able to stand up, which I could never do before. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Now the praising of Jesus was not this. And it's disgusting. You know what is disgusting? People are not Christians, are not able to praise God. If something wonderful happened, what do they do? They whistle and whoo! And they whistle. Nobody whistled here. Nobody did all that funny, stupid stuff. It was Jesus who was there. And Jesus healed me. And when he said all these things, Peter said aloud, Hallelujah! Amen. In some Pentecostal churches, you hardly hear a Hallelujah. And I want this church to become a hallelujah church. Amen. If the Lord touches your heart, and if the Spirit moves in your heart, you can say hallelujah. And as long as I preach, I never get disturbed. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. That's praising God. Someone else stood up and said, Yesterday we were in Bethany. And it reminds me what happened there. Lazarus, the brother of these two sisters, I think it was about a year ago, he died. And Jesus was not there. And Mary and Martha said, Well, if Jesus would have been here, our brother... Lazarus would not have died. But Jesus was not here. 
Jesus knew that he was ill without text message. Without text message. And he waited a little bit longer. Jesus has time, amen? And this person continued to report. We were there. I was amongst them. And Jesus finally, after four days, Jesus came. All the hope in his household was gone. Lazarus died. He is in the tomb. And Jesus appeared. He comes up. Jesus, if you would have been here, our brother Lazarus would not have died. But now it's too late. But Jesus came into the picture. Hallelujah. Wherever Jesus comes into the picture, things are being changed. Amen. Hallelujah. That all happened there. And they were praising the Lord. And this person said, Jesus was led to the tomb. He stood there, lifted up his eyes to God, and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And again, he said, Father, I thank you that you heard me all the time. And then all of a sudden, Jesus, with a loud voice, called, he said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus came out. All the grave linens around him. He came out. He is alive. He is alive. He is alive. Jesus raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Could you imagine something happening somewhere? Jesus raised him from the dead. And the whole crowd was praising the Lord. Hallelujah. And somebody recognized that Peter was in charge. Peter! Peter! Listen, Peter! We have Bartimaeus here amongst us. Just yesterday, a day before yesterday, when we were in Jericho, and Peter said, Where is he? Oh, here. Come on, Bartimaeus. Come here to the front and tell us what happened to you. Bartimaeus. He said, I used to be normal. I could see. But something happened to my life. I don't know. My eyesight got dimmer and dimmer till I was all in darkness. I was blind. I was blind. How horrible that day not to be able to see anything. It was dark. I was living in night. And my family brought me always to the Jericho Road. There's a song that goes, On the Jericho Road. Anybody knows that song? There's just room for two. For Jesus and me. Hallelujah. Now he was there. And as, as I sat there, I heard a commotion uh, through the crowd. And I was asking the one next to me, what, what's going on here? And he said, Jesus from Nazareth is passing by. Oh, all of a sudden it clicked in him. It is the one who has healed other people who has made someone who was blind born. He made him see again this Jesus. And all of a sudden the scripture came up in him. And he screamed out by the, by the top of his voice. Jesus, 
Son of David, have mercy on me. And somebody pulled me on my arm, he said. And the person said, Shh, don't be so loud. But then I took another breath and I cried even louder, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And all of a sudden, Jesus stood still. He commanded some others to bring me to Him. Oh, I've heard so wonderful things about Jesus, what He did. How did I wish to see Him and look into His face, but I was blind. I couldn't see Jesus. But I came to Him and Jesus asked me, what do you want me to do for you? And I said, I want to receive my sight. And Jesus said, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. Immediately, the blindness disappeared. My eyes were opened. Then I looked into the eyes of Jesus and I saw glory of God in the eyes of Jesus. Hallelujah. What a day it will be, my dear brother. James, he loves this song. When my Savior I shall what? See, you will see the glory in the eyes of Jesus. Hallelujah. The John saw it already. Chapter 14, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 14. And behold, behold, the Word became flesh, and we, what? we saw His glory. And when I looked with my eyes into the eyes of Jesus, I saw the glory of God. It is true. It is true. I can see. I can see. And now I'm decided to follow Jesus. Hallelujah. That is my Jesus. This is my Jesus. I love Him. And then I say, Peter, Peter. Listen, I remember there was another incident in Jericho happening to a man. He was a very rich man, a little fat man. And he wanted to see Jesus. He went up and down the crowd and he couldn't find anywhere a gap to step before and through the gap to see Jesus. But then I, I can see he went off ahead and there was a sycamore tree and he went onto the tree and he looked at Jesus because he had a desire to see Jesus to see Jesus hallelujah I love the Greeks why have you ever read something about the Greeks in the Bible John chapter 11 I think it's all. they came to Philippus and said Sir, we want to what? We want to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. Amen. What about you? Do you want to see Jesus? Can you see Jesus by the words I've preached now? Can you see Jesus? I can see Him in my spirit. Hallelujah. Jesus, the Son of God, full of glory. Now this man, he had a desire to see Jesus. And exactly on that point where the tree was, and he was in the tree, Jesus stood still, and he turned and looked at him and said, Zacchaeus, come down, quickly down. I have to enter your house today. And this person said, well, I remember... We all, nobody could understand that Jesus, the Holy Son of God, would enter in a house of such a rotten sinner. 
and I was against it too. I couldn't understand it. But one thing I could say, the next day, the next day this man was changed. He was changed. He was a different man. God can change people. Amen. Did He change you? Yes, I, I, I've seen it. I've seen it. He changed you from a nice blonde wig, you know, to a normal person. Praise the Lord. That's the Holy Ghost who can do it. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He can change people. Now, Jesus changed Zacchaeus. And he said to Jesus, Half of my riches I've got, I will give to the poor. And he did so. And he said, If I cheated on somebody, took more money than I was allowed to, we had the liberty from the Roman government to do so. I will return it fourfold. And the whole crowd called out. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What would you say this morning? What would you say this morning? Brother Eddie, what is your response to such a Jesus? Hallelujah. I want to hear. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Can anybody say hallelujah? I want to follow this Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to follow this Jesus. It was a glorious day. Don't forget I was amongst the group there in my spirit. You know what I mean. You understand? What a Jesus. What a Jesus. Gary, point number one, Christ. Point number two, Christ. Point number three, Christ. And so on. Every day, Christ, Christ, Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. Hasn't your heart been warmed by the Spirit of God this morning? Can't you sense the presence of God? Jesus is here. When we speak of Jesus, we magnify His name. Hallelujah. Now, while the crowd was praising Jesus and God for the miracles they saw He had done, The SFB came. You know what the SFB is? Anybody ex experience the SFB? Yeah? Spiritual Fire Brigade. The SFB. And he said, Jesus, Master, rebuke these, these people. They're going wild. They were saying things. They recited or recited these things from the Psalms. And joy was there. Order them to be quiet. There's someone who doesn't like the praise of God. Do you know him? I do. It's the devil and his cohort. And lukewarm Christians, lukewarm Christians don't like the praises of Jesus. And she said, well, if these become silent, then the stones will cry out. While he was coming down, you could see tears in the eyes of Jesus. The Greek word being used, eklosen, means weeping, utterly weeping and shuddering in your body. He wept over Jerusalem. 
It was more than just a little tear. He was so sopping, sopping over Jerusalem. He saw something else. He saw something else. And the Bible says this. <clears throat> when he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it. The Greek understanding is he was shaking on his whole body. Weeping. Sobbing over Jerusalem. He said, saying, If you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. In other words, Jerusalem, you were so close that your eyes would have been opened and you would have experienced peace. Jerusalem is actually a city of peace. It was supposed to be. But now these things what that would help you for peace, now these things are hidden from your eyes. That's why Jesus cried. <clears throat> for the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side. Jesus used the word Jerusalem, Jerusalem a little bit earlier in Luke. How often would I have gathered you like a hen gathers the chicken? But you were not willing can you understand that the heart of Jesus was breaking? Now listen to this. A sign of warning to everyone who has heard this sermon this morning. <clears throat> the warning is this. The sin against the Holy Spirit and judgment is this. After not wanting to listen to Jesus, comes the time not able to see Jesus. Not able. That means that all the desire, I want to have Jesus, is gone. You don't see these things anymore. Jesus came with salvation. Jerusalem has closed himself up. They love the things of the world more than anything. How about you? How about you? If you love the things more than things of the world, entertainment and all the garbage, movies and, and whatever it is, all the rubbish, you know, if you love these things more than Jesus, I tell you what, these things will no longer excite you one day. Because, you were not able or not willing to say to, yes to Jesus. You were not willing. The day is going to come and there is judgment against the sin, against the Holy Spirit. No longer be able to want to. You understand? No longer. No longer. You know what it means? You want, you wanted to come to Jesus, but you can't. You can't. It's a, it's a horrible lie and wisdom of the devil. You can come to Jesus at any time. No, no, no. You come to Jesus when the Holy Spirit is calling you. If He doesn't call you anymore, there's no chance to come. 
Father Jesus. Heavenly Father. Oh, Jesus, you saw this situation coming down upon Jerusalem. On one hand, there were so many, O oh Lord, who praised your miracles you did. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And then also, Lord, it broke your heart. You were crying. Your body was shaking. Your voice was quivering. You were sobbing aloud. Jerusalem. If you only would be able to see the things that will serve for you peace. Because you're not able to see them. And judgment will come. Lord, I pray. I pray, Lord Jesus, because you know the time of every person. Anybody here, whether young or older, is still fooling around with the world, Lord, I pray that your spirit might hit this person in such a strong way that this person says, no longer fooling around. Oh God, if you can receive me, here I am, take me. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what the Lord gave me for this day. Hallelujah. Could you understand it? Could you understand the heart of Jesus? The Lord loves you. Now, brothers and sisters, when the Spirit of God is speaking, listen what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. Amen.